0: This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast from March 29th, 2017. Every Monday, I'll be bringing you brand new content, but for the next while, on Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm including previous interviews in this feed, like this one with Chris Kelly. He's an author and historian. I hope you enjoy it. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested, whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic. What matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Make your view heard and get it included in the next show. Email your opinion to podcast at challengingopinions.com and we can discuss it in the next podcast. Online now from London, I have An American Conservative in London. Uh, he's called Chris Kelly, and his blog is com. He's also the author of two books with uh, Stuart Laycock. One of them is called Italy Invades. Another is called America Invades, and it's a history of uh, military adventures. Um, Chris, what do Andorra, Liechtenstein, and Bhutan have in common?
1: Uh, those three countries are the only three that America has had no military involvement with uh, over the course of its long history um, so that, i should i should say
0: i should say andorra is a tiny little enclave in the pyrenees between spain and france liechtenstein is a tiny little principality that's associated with uh, switzerland and bhutan is a tiny country beside india in the himalaya mountains so america gets around yeah
1: uh, absolutely. The American Eagle has spread its wings far and wide around the globe. Uh, it isn't that we have invaded every country. We've invaded about 44%, about 85 countries in terms of Americans fighting abroad but we have been militarily involved with almost all the rest. I mean, if you take Portugal, for example, we haven't invaded Portugal, but we've had bases in the Azores since World War II, and they're still there to this day.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, I know this, uh, I'll get on to the uh, Italy invades as well and some other issues in a moment, but I know this has political resonance because um, Rand Paul, for example, a candidate for the US Republican presidential nomination, is talking about America just having... Too many military bases, having thousands uh, I think a thousand overseas, uh, overseas bases, he's saying, um, you as a historian, do you think that America is spreading itself too thinly?
1: Well, we tried in our books to not be political. I'm, I am political in the blog, I definitely. I take uh, different uh, perspectives. But I tr- we tried not to be in, in either of the books. I mean, my co-author and I don't share the same politics, in fact. I mean, he uh, definitely has a, a, def- a, 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 a partisan a, a viewpoint that's different from my, uh, my own. So that forced us to kind of meet in the middle uh, a little bit on in writing America Invades and Italy Invades as well uh but we i mean we if you just were to google the topic of american invasions you'd find a lot of partisan rants out there and we didn't want to kind of add to that collection we wanted to lay out i mean we be, believe that the facts are for everybody no matter where you are on the political spectrum that we should kind of agree on what the facts are before we start you know disputing uh what what should, what remedies should be we should make
0: uh and if you were to put your political hat on would you think that uh, america militarily is generally a force for good
1: but and that's the question is like you asked: Are we too far spread? And that Rand Paul has has advocated, and are we a force for good? Well, I would say, you know, putting my political hat on, I'd say you look at the recent history. I mean, 2015 marked the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II, the bloodiest war in in human history. And, I mean, Europe as a continent has been a bloody continent for centuries, really. I mean, you have the Thirty Years' War, the Hundred Years' War, the Napoleonic Wars, two world wars in the 20th century. And so you've had many – conflicts, almost a European civil war going on continuously. And you have to admit that in the last 70 years, Europe has been, with the exception of the breakup of Yugoslavia, has been at peace. And that, I think – is an accomplishment. And part of that uh, is to the credit of American military involvement, which has gone on after not just winning the war against fascism in World War II, but staying around. I mean, we still have bases in Italy today. We still have bases in, in Germany today.
0: I, I actually agree with you. And I think that in particular, the post-war behavior of the United States in Europe uh, has much more influence for good than it's given credit for. And uh, one thing, you can see a very clear divide between the former West Germany and the former East Germany and Austria in terms of uh, problems with neo-Nazis. The Americans had a very thorough and very thoughtful um, denazification program that only occurred in West Germany, and that's having uh, effects um, 70 years later. Um, do you think that American involvement in the rest of the world has been up to the same standard?
1: Well, I think look at, at difficult places such as um, the Middle East. Uh, I mean, looking at, at contemporary conflicts, which are the hardest for a historian to deal with, because I mean, it does take time to do history. It takes time for secrets to get divulged, for memoirs to be written, and for perspective to be gained after the kind of partisan passions have cooled. So, um, but in those in that area, I think one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, is you know, okay, could we involve ourselves more in, for instance, in the battle with ISIS and uh, more militarily, but also would you also have to have a kind of multi-generational commitment to those areas uh, and one which the West at this point, not just America, but the West is kind of unwilling to embrace those type of long-term commitments that we, of course, did have embraced with regard to Europe.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen it noted that uh, it's about 130 years since oil was discovered in Iraq. In that time, Britain, which has usually been America's ally, uh, Britain has been either at war with or occupying Iraq for more than half the time. Uh, They're not doing it for the good of their health, are they?
1: well i mean resources uh, play a part in terms of of war for you know since time immemorial i mean supposedly julius caesar uh invaded uh britain uh because of pearls that uh, that the roman women coveted pearls and that uh, there were lots of oysters in colchester for example and so that according to tacitus that's you know what was one of the initial impetus for for, you know, that, you know, ancient invasion. Uh, so, so, I mean, resources, of course, are important. And obviously, oil is a strategic re- resource that, uh, that's, that's vitally important, uh, in, with in regard to industrial warfare in the 20th century, 21st century.
0: Is that a long way of, dis- of agreeing with me? <laughs>
1: that resources play a role. I mean, that, they're, and they're, are vitally important. Absolutely. Yes. I think I, I do agree.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, there's there's a phrase that some historians will know as a resource curse? It's just the observation that many countries with a lot of resources end up being quite miserable, um, you, and it seems that part of resource curse is that lots of people want to invade you. And it seems to me that the the like the um, the the interventions against ISIS now uh, we're being told are to sort out the problem, and it seems like at every stage. It's acknowledged that all the previous invasions of the Middle East have been really bad and wrong and messed up, but this last one invasion will be the one to sort it out. Isn't that a a naive thing to think?
1: Um, the Romans were fighting in Iraq 2,000 years ago as well. Uh, so there have been lots of invasions in the Middle East. I mean, of course, I mean the Romans sacked Jerusalem uh, yeah, as well, and there's a, the Arch of Titus in, can be found in Rome. So you have you have you know I mean uh, you know you have of course many invasions taking place over over thousands of years, in, invaders and invaded you know really all over the
0: place. Um your other book uh, Italy Invades and I should say there's a website for each of them com and italyinvades.com but the uh, italyinvades.com is uh, focuses on the the Roman Empire so I'm not sure if we should say Rome or or Italy. Um but are you consciously drawing a a parallel between the Roman Empire and the American Empire?
1: Well, I think there are parallels, of course. I mean, and it's one of the reasons why we I mean my co-author first wrote about British invasions with all the countries We've invaded about Britain invading 90% of the world. Together we wrote about America invades, about American invasions uh, over and American military involvement throughout the world. And then we moved to the grandfather of all empires uh, with Italy, and Italy in a broad sense from the Romans right up until the present. Uh, so because, of course, Mussolini tried to kind of revive the Roman Empire in in some, in some fashion. And, but I mean, I think there are, I mean, there are clear parallels. I mean, the, the fact that the United States has a Senate uh, is, owes, it owes that to, to Rome. The fact that we have an eagle as an icon, again, goes back to the Roman uh, original.
0: And uh, what about the decline and fall?
1: Uh Well, that of course is is a fascinating topic. I mean, the, in the fifth century, of course, the Roman Empire, which was the greatest empire at the time and and a you know huge military force, uh, collapsed, and the fifth century was was a debacle for Rome. Uh, I mean, and I mean the the cause of why uh, Rome collapsed is kind of endlessly. Been debated by historians, and I think it's still something of a mystery, but I mean, if you, if you have to do a one word answer, I, I suppose it would be immigration. I mean, the inability to solve immigration issues, uh, to, because many of the people that sacked Rome actually wanted to become a part of Rome and not actually destroy it.
0: Do you mean this, uh, and I don't know m- as much about it as you, but are you referring to like the, the, the Goths and the Vandals, uh, who, who exactly. invaded from the north?
1: Exactly, the, the Goths and Vandals really didn't want, I mean, yes, they saw the richness of Rome, the, the wealth of Rome, but they didn't necessarily want to Destroy that. They wanted to participate in it, and the Romans didn't have a mechanism for allowing that to happen. And unfortunately, uh, the result was uh, was the destruction of Rome, sack of Rome, of the western half of the
0: empire, at any rate. Um, I know that you're particularly interested in uh, Christopher Columbus. Um, he's uh, probably more controversial figure than we have firm facts about him. He may actually have been Italian rather than Spanish. Um, do you think he was maybe the 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 last Roman invader or the the first American? How do you view him?
1: Uh, Columbus is a is a fascinating figure in history. I mean, I think that some people uh he's become a lightning rod uh for criticism, of course, uh, recently and the, the debate of whether to celebrate Columbus Day in the United States, you know, continues on to, to, for for sure. Um I think that At the end of the day, he is not neither an angel nor a devil, but he was a man, and he was a man who changed the world, and he was also a man who came from Italy. I mean he was Genoese, and uh, both of his parents were Genoese, his father a miller, and he also was backed by the Italians. there were italian bankers that that uh, subsidized uh, columbus 's voyages and not the apocryphal tale of uh, queen isabella 's uh, sale of her jewelry, so you had a deep Italian connection to the uh, initial exploration of the new world uh, with Columbus, which of course, you know, transformed. You had this Colombian exchange that followed after Columbus, introducing, you know, commodities such as, you know, chocolate and tobacco uh, to Europe and to the rest of the world. I mean, so I think he was a factor for good and ill, uh, but I don't think he can be fairly blamed for everything that was perpetrated afterwards by Europeans.
0: Um, it's true that he obviously can't be blamed for everything that followed, but he can be blamed for what he did. Um, it's, no, it's notable that the word um, for the Caribbean and also the word for cannibal comes from uh, the original Spanish stroke Italian uh, pronunciation of uh, Columbus's name. And it's attached to cannibalism because he accused the locals the that 's to say the people in the Caribbean who he met of cannibalism there 's no evidence that that was true, but there 's pretty firm evidence that there was raging famines in Europe at the time and that there was cannibalism in europe wasn 't a lot of that essentially slandering of the uh, of the of the people of the americas wasn 't that responsible for this dehumanization that uh, that has continued, you know, almost into the 20th century, saying that, that um, Native Americans have little or no rights?
1: Well, in, in 1492, he first arrived and left uh, a garrison with the Taino people. The Taino people were the indigenous people on that island. And he built a fort, left a garrison, and then went back to Spain, came back the following year, and the garrison had been wiped out. And so the destruction of... You know that that tiny garrison was the beginning of a cycle of violence between Europeans and indigenous people that really kind of continued on for centuries afterwards and so so well, uh, it, it was
0: hardly it was hardly symmetrical
1: no and the uh, that 's true uh but the uh but i mean there was a great deal. I mean, I think that there's often a misperception of Native Americans as being a peace-loving people uh, you know singing Kumbaya and so forth prior to the arrival of the europeans i mean it was it was not europeans for instance that introduced slavery to the new world it was uh, i mean the for instance when the russians arrived in alaska uh, it, there were was already slavery in, in place with the Aleut people uh for example i mean there was already human sacrifice uh in central america uh there were and there was also incessant warfare between uh tribes and yeah, that, that sounds and that Bit,
0: that sounds a little bit like what bouillery. That that uh, our ju- our atrocities are justified by their atrocities.
1: Well, the, I mean, the I think that there's um, a lot of kind of uh, well, I mean, the accusations of genocide, for example, uh, I think are are you know overheated at, at best. I mean, that because I mean, genocide presumes an intentionality which I think is was essentially was not there. I mean, the vast majority of the Native Americans that that were killed were killed as a result of disease mm-hmm. and the spread of disease mm-hmm. uh, from europeans which and that happened throughout both north and south america and there's no doubt there was a devastation, it was an absolute devastation of the native American populations, but for the most part that was, you know, overwhelmingly not a matter of of armed conflict but uh but simply the this, this spread of disease that was you know non not intentional.
0: Yeah you know you're you're correct that that most of the deaths were caused by by disease not by uh military force but there was certainly a depraved indifference.
1: An indifference. Well I mean slavery was an accepted part of Columbus's world. I mean not just in I mean in in Europe. So and, so should we and, be celebrating it? Sh- should we be absolutely Uh, we should be celebrating the fact that not slavery, uh, but we should be celebrating a man who changed our world, uh, in many ways, not always good, uh, but who, who, uh, changed our world in many ways. And I think that, um, that made, that ultimately you'd have to say enriched it as well.
0: Okay. Um, I think anybody
1: who enjoys chocolate would have to argue that it enriched it, shall we say.
0: It for 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 the Europeans. The Americans had it all along.
1: Well, they did and they didn't. They only had a kind of a liquid form of chocolate, which was, you know, it was uh, cocoa was used as a as a hot chocolate, essentially, was what they did. And when it came to Europe, I mean, obviously, Europeans put a different twist on it. And so, you know, Swiss chocolate, Belgian chocolate is is different from what certainly what the Native Americans experienced.
0: Chris Kelly, author of uh, America Invades and Italy Invades, also blogger as an American conservative in London.com. Thank you very much for talking to me. Never miss a show. Follow at ChallengingO on Twitter and like Challenging Opinions on Facebook for updates on each show's contents. That's the Challenging Opinions podcast published on March 29th, 2017. Do you know someone who I should interview? What topics should I be covering? I'd be really interested to hear your feedback. If you like the podcast, there's one thing that you could do that would really help other people to find the show. Go on iTunes and give the podcast a rating and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at ChallengingO. And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use iTunes if you're an Apple person or Google Play Music if you're on Android. And there's also a link for both of these and the RSS feed if you're old school. You can find them or get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com. On the next podcast, I'll have an interview with the writer and blogger Leslie Loftus. That show will be uploaded on Friday, March 31st. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.